the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's long overdue. I don't know why it's taken so long for us to get around to this guy. Maybe it's because he really hasn't uh, done anything lately in any given week. But you know what? He's waited way too long for this honor. And now it's time for the Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. That's right, Hunter Biden, who I don't think uh, needs any introduction. Could have won this any week in the last three years or so, but first we didn't know if what was being reported about him was just Russian disinformation. Then we found out that the laptop was really his, and there was enough information on that laptop to declare him jerk of the decade. But again, he hasn't really done anything lately that would qualify him under normal circumstances. But as you probably know, he was indicted yesterday on three counts of illegal firearms possession, Now, that's nothing compared to what he's been traveling around the world doing for the last 10 years or so, making money off of the Biden brand, and maybe longer than 10 years, actually. But even if he had just, you know, gone off and been a lawyer somewhere and just been an ordinary citizen, you could still make a case for him for the award for just about any week in the last three years for not taking the responsibility of being his father's only surviving son and keeping him as far away from the White House as possible not just for the good of the country, but for his own good, his dad's own good. His dad is obviously demented and should be sitting on a beach somewhere, maybe counting the money that Hunter collected for him around the world. But no, he and his stepmother, uh, Dr. Jill, and his sister and his uncle Jim have been perfectly happy to watch the big guy make an idiot of himself and embarrass the country every day. It's elder abuse, and that's every day and every week. So that's enough to qualify Hunter Biden to be this week's AM 1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week. And when we come back, speaking of the big guy, have you heard there's no evidence that he had uh, did anything wrong in order to benefit from Hunter being his bag man? We'll have somebody here who's been keeping score, has all the evidence anybody other than the Democrats and their friends in the media should ever need. And in our second half hour, we're going to have Kathy Barnett. She's the grassroots director and a former Senate and uh, governor candidate. She's uh, Kathy Barnett, the grassroots director and advisor to the Vivek Ramaswamy presidential campaign. Stick around. Well, nothing is uh, more predictable than seeing the words without evidence in a story in the legacy media about the Republicans' impeachment inquiry into the uh, Biden crime family. Apparently, the way it works is if you repeat it often enough, it becomes true, but If you've been keeping score, you know that it's not even close to being true. David Harsani, senior editor at The Federalist, has been keeping score. He joins us now. Good to have you back on, David. Thanks. Always good to be here. Thanks for having me. So um, those are the same words you see in every story about Donald Trump's claims about voter fraud. So um, have the standards for what qualifies as evidence changed somehow? (laughs) 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you remember all the way back to uh, 2016 and, and, and you know, the, probably the next four years after that, there were tons of stories, usually from one source, usually from an anonymous source that made a lot of claims about uh, Russian interference in our democracy and so on. Um, I mean, as far as I can tell, and I went back and looked at a bunch of them, there was never any kind of, uh, certainly not in a headline, but not even in the text that say, oh, this person's making a claim without evidence. It was just that someone's making this claim. Donald Trump's pretty bad guy, so it must be true. That sort of framing. Never would it put that in the story. I mean, their job is to look for evidence. So it's a weird way to um, to frame a story about uh, or uh, to frame a story that we haven't gotten to the bottom of yet. Yeah, and it's also a very biased way of doing it. But, but um, so how much evidence is usually available before an inquiry begins? <laughs> that's why you have inquiries. Yeah. And that's why you have journalists so right. that they would, you know, you would think, at least in the old days, journalists would love to take down powerful people. And this is the most powerful person in the world. And there's a ton of circumstantial evidence, but actually there's evidence beyond that. I mean, there's there are I don't know how many, but maybe five or six people, a few of them have gone under oath already who say that that, that Joe Biden was part of the family business, that he was involved in some way. Um, and we know I mean, we have pretty much conclusive evidence that he was on phone calls with his son during business meetings. I mean, unless everyone's lying under oath. So those are that's already evidence. It's not even just circumstantial evidence. It's evidence that he was lying about this for years. And Joe Biden has been lying about what he knew about his son's business at the very least. The amazing thing is, uh, to me, this most of, that I, actually annoys me as much as anything is the way that they insult your intelligence when you have Corrine Jean-Pierre. Suddenly, uh, on Tuesday, she's saying that that Joe knew nothing about Hunter's business, and then on Wednesday she's saying he was never in business with Hunter, as if that's just a minor detail. Plus, it doesn't really matter. I keep seeing now, you know, on top of the no evidence uh, wording that they keep saying, there is no evidence that he directly um, benefited in any way. Well, he doesn't he doesn't have to directly benefit if if you rob a bank and then give the money to your kids. You know, you're you're not directly maybe benefiting, but you're you're you know, you're helping your family. Right. And there's there's some evidence that, um, you know, how can I say this? You know, there's w- ways to launder money. I'm not saying Joe Biden did this for sure or anything, but think about the painting that Hunter Biden sold for a million dollars. I mean, that's, for instance, that's an easy way to launder money through, through you know, that ill-begotten money through some way. So we don't know, and that's why you have an inquiry. And the inquiry gives Congress some teeth in the sense, you know, the investigation some teeth because you can start putting people under oath. Well, whistle, whistleblower's testimony is evidence in most cases. Uh, it would be considered that. And isn't the point of having the whistleblowers testify to then investigate their testimony and determine if it's true, maybe by, I don't know, bringing in the people that they are blowing the whistle on? Right. And I think there are two distinct, I mean, I don't know how they're going to go about this, but I think there are two distinct investigations that should be had here. One is to see what Joe Biden was doing as vice president, his influence peddling and, and so on. And the other is to see if people tried to cover it up because the whistleblower's testimony, the, you know, they did testify that Joe Biden took part in the business probably, but more, uh, I think, um, you know, 
they, there was more evidence that he that that the DOJ and others had tried to cover up, which I think is more important in a in a way because that's corruption throughout the government, not just one person trading in to make some you know his influence to trade yeah. some money. Yeah, you mentioned a minute ago about you went back and checked some of the other stories about Donald Trump, and you didn't find the the words without evidence in there, and you pointed to uh, Schiff, who. Uh, who came out and he was running all over the place telling people that he had uh, concrete evidence that there was collusion with the Russians and it was only a matter of time till they came and got Donald Trump. And not one story could you find with his name in it that said, uh, had the words without evidence, correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he said the quote, direct evidence he had, a smoking gun, I think he used those mm-hmm. words, yep, I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure. And uh, that there was evidence of, of, of criminal collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government, which is a charge of treason, mm-hmm. right? It's sedition. Yeah. That's like yeah. a, a death penalty sentence. And he would constantly say this, go on uh, CBS. And I, I mean, listen, I, I, I can't read every story, but the ones I went back into, certainly in the headline, like AP had for this story, to say, Adam Schiff says this without evidence, nowhere, nowhere to be found. And he had no evidence, obviously, because the whole thing was just a hoax. Yeah, is uh, is not being interested until there's proof. Uh, really, is that just proof that Joe actually, I guess if what I'm asking is if the, if the fact that uh, they don't have any interest until there's proof that Joe actually made some money, on Hunter's deals, doesn't that just mean that they're playing defense? They're they they are covering for him, and they they it's to me I call it wishful thinking journalism that's going on here, and in all kinds of directions. Yeah, I mean Democrats are going to cover for him no matter what, and that's or most will, yeah. and that's understandable, I guess. But journalists are not supposed to do that, and uh, especially you know you columnists might, but regular journalists shouldn't. And that's what they're doing. It's crazy to keep saying there's no evidence and they keep moving the goalposts over and over and over. First, it's he didn't know anything. There's no proof he knew anything. Now it's no proof that he didn't directly make money off of it. Well, you know, if there's no inquiry and the journalists don't do their job, then how are we ever going to find out? We're not. You know, if this was Donald Trump, there'd be teams of journalists deployed to find every little, you know, nugget of proof or any Republican, frankly. And they don't do that because they neglect their job and they're corrupt. Well, and they would be doing it because they would be journalists in the old sense of the word where a story this juicy would get them interested, uh, regardless of which side they came down on. They would just look at this and say, wow, we got this is they're saying that this this guy took all this money. And this is a, this we got to we, we don't want to if you're at MSNBC, you don't want to get beat by CNN on this. But there, there's none of that I, anymore. I don't I can't even comprehend what, what how, what's in the mind of someone who has a story like this potentially and doesn't do the work to try to make it happen. I mean, this is uh, this is it would be Pulitzer. It wouldn't win a yeah. Pulitzer Prize. It should, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, you know, even in the Clinton years, there were so many cor- stories of corruption in the Clinton administration. They went after all of them or someone did, at least in the media, because it was, you know, the, you're a journalist. This is what you do. This is what you dream of being able to do. Take down powerful people who abuse their, you know, who abuse their positions and their power. And yet, you know, today you just have them playing defense. It's just pathetic. And you know, bad for the country because we can't we don't have people actually, you know, defending democracy, as it were. And we don't have um, any trust in these people because they do play defense. 
Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, the Clinton uh, story. Just maybe uh, was it Michael Isakoff, the guy mm-hmm. who I think he's the guy who broke the Monica Lewinsky story. I could be wrong. I think Drudge broke it, maybe. But I think Isakoff, who's a liberal, works for Newsweek. He was all over it. He got it wrong. Yeah, this was when. Yeah, and this was I think it was Newsweek, and this was when Newsweek really mattered. You know, these were yeah. massive circulation oh, yeah. Uh, magazines. Yeah, and and he, uh, yeah, he, I don't know. Yeah, I think. I'm not sure if he was exactly the first, but he's definitely there. You know, he was do you know there, and many others were doing it as well. Yeah, but Drudge ch- kind of changed the, the the landscape at the time. But definitely, yeah, Isakoff was part of it. It's funny to think about because uh, you mentioned the Clintons. That got me thinking about this. I just wonder if um, if Joe Biden got caught doing what Bill Clinton did under uh, with you know the current atmosphere and the way the media operate now, what do you think would happen? You think that story would have the would get the kind of legs that it did back in the late nineties? No, I mean think think about it like Kavanaugh and all the anyone who came forward they just put him in the paper no matter how crazy you know now or they yeah. put him on their outlets no matter how yeah. crazy the accusation was. Um, but yet there were accusations against Joe Biden as well, and they were probably more credible. Terror Reid, yeah. I forget the woman's name exactly. And did that get any coverage? I mean, it didn't get any coverage at all. If that had been a a uh, Donald Trump or, or Mitt Romney, I don't care who, that would have been in, in all the outlets, right, I think. So, no, I think, uh, you know, he wouldn't. I, I mean, sometimes there's enough overwhelming evidence where they just simply can't ignore it anymore. And maybe that's going to happen here, too. If you notice, since you have the inquiry now, they have to explain it to people. <laughs> what is? What are people you know, they keep throwing in no evidence, but yet they have to explain what's going on. And that might pique the curiosity of a lot of people who don't even know that this has been happening. So um, at some point, you can't ignore it. Talking to David Harsani, he's a senior editor at The Federalist, uh, and he has his piece up there well, in various places. But you can find I saw it, I think, today at The Daily Signal or maybe PJ Media, but you can find him out there. Um, so um, I, I'm I'm I don't know about you, uh, David. I'm starting to side with the people who are saying hold off on the impeachment because that might actually make it less likely for a lot of this evidence to come out and be seen by people who should have seen it by now but haven't. So where are you on impeachment? Should it happen like yesterday or should they wait and, and or maybe not even do it at all until they maybe try to find him criminally uh, uh, guilty? Just with the evidence, you know, um, just by 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 testimony, by subpoenaing these people and bringing them in. Well, I've been on the record for a long time that I think most presidents should probably be impeached anyway. So I'm always <laughs> for impeachment. Right. They're be, mostly because they ignore the Constitution and break their oath of office. That's the main thing I, I believe that these people should impeach for. Uh, I don't know how it plays out politically in the long run. But I have changed my mind a little in the sense that since I since the inquiry stuff has gone on, I've noticed that they're because they have to play defense. They sound sort of ridiculous, like they come out and say things like, oh, he loves his son so much. That's why he was on the phone with him 24 times in business meetings. They sound idiotic. And I don't think anyone with any kind of any sentient being would believe that a, a father is calling his son during business meetings over and over again for that reason. So. And at some point, someone's going to have to ask, 
Joe Biden these questions and he's going to have to answer them. And I think an impeachment inquiry puts more. I don't know if they should move forward yet. I don't know. But an, an inquiry definitely puts more pressure on them. As far as you know, has any major TV news operation other than Fox, maybe Newsmax, I guess. Uh, I don't know if they have interviewed Tony Bobolinsky. Hmm. I don't uh, think so. I haven't seen him anywhere. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's not you have you have whistleblowers on the record. You have uh, you you have you have his best Hunter's former best friend saying that Biden was a Bob. You have mm-hmm. you know part, another partner saying it. There is tons of evidence uh, to move forward with an inquiry, and they have to because no one else is going to do the work. Definitely no no one in journalism, you know, or, or one of these big legacy media journalism outfits. And I'm I I, I can't think of the name right now. Um, I, I I'm I'm. I wanted to make the comparison that with the Clintons again, that Tony Bobolinsky is the equivalent of, and I can't think of her name. She was uh, Monica Lewinsky's buddy. Um, Damn, I can't remember. I think she passed away recently. Yeah, actually. she just died recently, and I, I think she yeah. was the one that told her to save the dress. Uh, yeah, and I can't think of her name. Maybe I will. I probably will after you're off the air. But uh, anyway, that's to me. That's that's like in, ignoring Tony Bobolinsky is like ignoring her back in 1998 or whatever year it was. So um, you you wrote a piece uh, also on another subject about uh, Washington. I guess it's not really another subject. Uh, Washington being a gerontocracy and it being our fault. Why is it our fault? And why do most people seem to be okay with? age limits, but a lot less okay with term limits. Well, you know, in the end, I mean, we elect these people, so we we bear the responsibility for them being there. And Mm -hmm. everyone hates politicians, they say. But really what they're saying is they hate your politics. Like, they hate who you elect. They don't hate who they elect. And if they did, they wouldn't vote for incumbents over and over again. I'm against caps on, and I'm against term limits, frankly, because I just think – if you're going to vote and be able to vote, you should be able to vote for whoever, whoever you want to. I have been in states and lived in states where there were term limits, and I don't think they made the environment any better. In fact, sometimes I think you lost good people to them or, you know, and you get similar kind of younger people who aren't, you know. You get somebody similar, worse. Yeah. I, yeah, you get worse. Like, is it, does anyone believe AOC is going to be a better senator than <laughs> Chuck Schumer? I'm, I'm pretty skeptical. So yeah, yeah. Um, you lose institutional knowledge. Sometimes you lose good people just like you lose bad people. I don't think that's the answer. The answer is to have better candidates and vote for a better class of people. Um, but obviously that's a kind of a pipe dream. Probably. Yeah. Well, uh, I have about 30 seconds left. Where? What's the next big thing that's going to happen with the whole impeachment inquiry? And where's this going to, you know, where do you, what's, what's the next big story we're going to hear? We'll I don't know, see. but I suspect from some of the rumblings that it's going to be about bank accounts and trying to like untangle how the money flow went from Hunter, maybe to Joe or whatever, or other family members. So I think that's some, something that seems to be happening right now, but who knows? I don't know what they have really, and, and you never know what's going to pop up, but that's what I would look for. Are you buying the theory that uh, the movement is afoot to get Joe out of there? I don't think so. No? I mean, I see some people saying that. I'm not saying that there isn't a movement, but I don't think it's going to be a successful movement because I don't think there's anyone really to take his place to do any better, and I I think that that should, would worry them. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe Newsom, I guess, would be the the next person yeah. in line. Hey, David, but I, pres- I don't know if Kamala's going to like that. <laughs> well, that's what I'm hoping for. I want to see a circus, but you know, that's that's just me. Hey, uh, David, I always uh, enjoy having you on. I'm sure, we'll talk again. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Bye.
Okay, that's David Harsani. He's senior editor at The Federalist. Always has great stuff. You can find him at thefederalist.com. Well, he started out as a guy with a funny name uh, who said he was running for president and wasn't taken very seriously. Now he's still way behind Donald Trump in the polls for the Republican nomination, but the last poll I saw anyway had him in second place, a point ahead of Ron DeSantis. Kathy Barnett, who ran for the Republican nomination for governor of Pennsylvania, is the grassroots director and advisor to that guy, Vivek Ramaswamy, to his, uh, advisor to his campaign, and she joins us now. Kathy, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for, so much for having me on. And I ran for Senate against Dr. Oz last year in the Pennsylvania race. Oh, that's right, yeah. I, what did I say, Governor? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Ah, Senator, governor, <laughs> either, either one, you should have won. That was my my opinion anyway. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know what it was. I think uh, I can't. I'm trying to remember what, what uh, you there were. There was criticism of you. Um, I can't remember what the, you you came real close at the end. And then uh, the, the, the polls showed you gaining ground and something. Mastriani, your, your support of uh, something. Uh, got you in trouble with Mastriani. I can't remember any of it, but there's so much of this stuff going on. But I thought you were a good candidate, and uh, well, I had you on the show actually. But anyway, uh, that's just me. I I want to talk to you about your the guy you are uh, helping now, and that's uh, Mr. Ramaswamy. Um, yeah, he's got a long way to go, but he's sure come a long way since he announced he was running. Uh, how do you explain yeah. him being ahead of people like DeSantis, Mike Pence, and Nikki Haley right now? I know, right? Uh, Vivek, I was the very first person Vivek brought onto his campaign. It was just he and I walking into New Hampshire, literally Vivek and I sitting across the table from one person, two people going into Iowa, doing the exact same thing. And now we're standing room only. Now we're turning people away. It is exactly what I did in Pennsylvania. This is not rocket science. Well, Vivek has that the other candidates uh, uh, seem to be lacking is a vision. He's not spending the overwhelming majority of his time talking about all of our grievances, which there are a lot of them. But I believe the American people understand what is happening. We understand that we have fundamentally lost some precious things in this nation. Our country has gone off track. And it's going to take someone with boldness, with a sense of authenticity. He's not a plastic politician. He's not tired looking. But more than that, he's casting a vision. And it's a vision that we recognize. We still remember when there was a time when, you know, there were only two genders. Uh, when saying there is a God did not get you canceled. And a lot of people, you know, I mean, there was a time when we thought it was a good idea to have a secure border, when we thought parents should be a part, a critical part of their children's education. That has long since subsided, and the bake is coming forward reviving those traditional values. And I believe people see it, and they're jumping on board as a result of it. Well, he claims to be a radical and he makes no apologies. What makes him a radical? And why is that because a good thing? Those, yeah, it is a good thing, right? I mean, the birth of our nation, 1776, these are not moderate ideas. Those were radical ideas that set our nation uh, um, 
into birth. And so it is those ideas, those radical ideas that people, we the people, can um, can govern ourselves, <laughs> that we do not need decisions about our lives and about who we are and what we can and cannot do to be decided by a hand few of elites in the back halls of ivory buildings, but that we, the people, can handle the truth and that we want to know the truth and that we will determine based on our conscience, that's freedom of religion, freedom of speech, being able to say those things that we're thinking out loud. So those are, those were radical ideas back in 1776. And guess what? They are radical ideas today <laughs> to think that I can think according to my own conscience and not have to fall in line with pre-described narrative. That's radical today. The fact that I can say what I believe to be true out loud, whether on Google or Twitter or Facebook and not be um, uh, demonetized, deplatformed, and kicked off and blocked. Those are radical ideas today um, to believe that there is just two genders, a boy and a girl, and the two cannot become the other. That's a radical idea today to believe that we should have sovereignty of our, our own borders versus sending our money and our boys and girls over to Ukraine to defend their sovereignty. Apparently, if you saw that that first presidential debate, Vivek was the only person who raised his hand saying he would not send another dollar to Ukraine. Apparently, for all the others within the Republican establishment, that's a radical idea. So we are unapologetic about it. And we believe that the American people, not the, not the political system, but that the American people will reward us for it. Uh, speaking of the border, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, you may see it sometime today if you haven't seen it yet. The scene in New York City today where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, uh -huh. Nad uh, Jerry Nadler was there, and, and another local state rep. Um, they tried to give speeches today. And uh, it's one of the most amazing things I've seen in a while. I, I, maybe you'll see it later if you haven't seen it yet. But th these people were screaming, the, the, the people in the, in the crowd, screaming the entire time that you could hardly understand or hear what these uh, the politicians were saying. And they stood there, Nadler stood there and just continued to give his speech. Uh, there's nothing that's happening. <laughs> no. And, and, and these people were screaming, uh, close the frickin' border. You know, they're New Yorkers. Yes. It, it was uh, it, it was amazing. Yes. So um, why well, aren't well, other Republicans, the uh, why are, the Republicans should be all over it. I don't think they're, I mean, they're talking about it, but not enough. Well, let's see, right? Um, if, if past behavior is indicative of future performance, yeah. Republicans who have become a bunch of losers for the most part, they will stick their head in the sand and, and not, take advantage of this wonderful opportunity to take the spotlight. But again, this goes back to why Vivek as leapfrog these perennial plastic politicians is because he's not going to let that go. He will talk about it. He will put a spotlight on it. He is close to the people. He understands. He's listening to what it, to the grievances that we're having. And these grievances are real. People like AOC and Nadler and many others, and, it's, and even those on our side, 
of the political aisle within the Republican Party. You know, we have an agenda. We have a narrative. And God forbid if you, the people, are going to get me off track from speaking my narrative. That's the reason why even when people when they were being shouted down, I did see a little bit of it. They just continued on with their narrative as if the people are that they're supposed to represent are not speaking to them in a very loud and determined way. They're pretending like this isn't happening. It's happening. And I... I earnestly believe, I saw it in my own race, just to give perspective, Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick, they spent $60 million in my, in that, in that uh, uh, Republican primary last year. I spent $1.6 million, and I almost won the race. And it wasn't CNN that came out and lied on me and kneecapped me. It was actually Donald Trump and many others that we were considered to be MAGA individuals who decided they wanted Dr. Oz over me. But the point that you can take away from that is that with all that money and with all those lies in the last five days, I still got over 25% of the vote. Why did I do that? It wasn't because I was buying people's loyalty or purchasing people's endorsement. The people made me relevant. The people of Pennsylvania made me relevant. And I believe that is what it's going to take for this particular presidential election. I do not believe we have another two to four years to kick the can down the road. It is now. And we need someone who will not go in, be a lame duck president, someone who will not go in focusing all of his energy on not being sent to prison because these Democrats have lost their mind and they're going to continue trying to get certain people in prison. But we need someone who has the ability to cast a vision for the future, who has the ability to win by a very large number that gives us the moral mandate to make the changes we need. And we need someone who is going to be obsessed about pulling our country off the ledge. Because if you're looking for someone in the Democrat Party to pull us off the ledge, it ain't going to happen. If you're looking for these plastic career Republican politicians to pull us off the ledge, it's not going to happen. I believe it is time for us to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans who who is articulating our values better than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, just to get just get to give you an idea of the difference uh, and the contrast to to what you're how you're describing uh, what Vivek is out there doing, it was so pathetic to see. It was to me, it summed up everything that's going on right now. There, here's this: I'm watching this video, and I can barely understand what the politicians are saying. There's so many people screaming in their faces, and Jerry Nadler sat there and read to them from a statement and then walked away from the microphone that uh, yeah. and 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 but here's the thing uh Kathy those are democrats and the people who were screaming at them voted for them and they'll vote for yeah. them again they're going to vote for them again because that's what they do you democrat know, and, they, and, and, uh, what's going to change that and so we deserve it and so we deserve what we get right because yeah. as of right now we are still a constitutional republic with all the shenanigans, the fraud, and the outright lies going on with our election system, who knows how long this constitutional republic will actually remain. But it doesn't just stop with the Democrat side. Here in the state of Pennsylvania, for example, uh, I'm winning in the last five days. You had Donald Trump and his MAGA, some MAGA folks, coming out uh, five days before the election telling 
Republican primary voters. I was a member of Black Lives Matter. Two days later, they were telling the same Republican primary voters that I was marching with the Proud Boys. Now, clearly, <laughs> I could not be both of those. One or the people. other. Clearly, yeah. clearly, I can't be a part of Black Lives Matter and marching with the Proud Boys. But this is where the rubber meets the road. These people think we're stupid. They think we're gullible. And so they come out and they say silly little things like that because they don't think we're very smart. They don't think we're very bright. The only thing they need to do with Republicans is muddy the water around the conservative person like myself. And that enough is, to, is enough to scare off Republican voters from doing the right thing. And now, Republicans, you got Fetterman. So next time a good person stands up and try to run for office, you better get your head out of the sand and get behind them and make them relevant and don't lose your nerve. And so I apply that same line of thinking to Bebay. Now he is rising in the polls. The long knives have come out. Now they're lying on him. He's a little bit of everything except for a child of God. And what they're banking on is that Republican voters are stupid. That Republican voters are gullible. You are going to have to prove that wrong. We can only do our part, which is to cast a vision and to make sure you know you have a better option. That's what I did when I ran. Y'all screwed the pooch and now you got Fetterman. Don't screw the pooch again because I honestly believe we have this time only to pull our nation off the precipice and to save our country. Talking to Kathy Barnett, she's the grassroots director and advisor to the Vivek uh, Ramaswamy campaign. Um, uh, Kathy, he gave a speech recently where he claimed he could cut the federal workforce by 75 percent. I guess that's pretty radical. Uh, I have a couple of minutes left here. How would he go about doing that? Yeah, think about it, right, that the people we elect to run the country should actually be the people who run the country. But instead, what we have is the fourth branch of bureaucrats, these administrative elites who get in office. We didn't vote them in office, but they are running the country. But they go to YouTube, pull it up. He went to uh, AFPI, and he had pie charts and everything explaining it to us right, so that we can be informed. It is doable. He believes he has the constitutional footing to do it. And this is the kind of vision we need. So please go to thebake2024.com. Um, find him on Twitter, thebake, V as in victory, I, V as in victory, E, K. Find him, read about him, educate yourself. No one is, there is no political messiah coming down to save us. It is going to be we the people who get smart and find out what these people are saying and then put our stake in the ground and hold on. I only have about a minute left. What is in his background that makes him qualified? Uh, and I consider, by the way, not being a politician his best qualification. But what, what in his background <laughs> makes him qualified for this job? Yeah, well, again, the fact that he's not a politician, everything that has gone wrong with our nation right now, and you can't even pick one thing out, it's like we're drinking from a fire hydrant of problems. So, I, again, I think it's time to pass that torch to non-politicians. So that's one. But two, this is a young man uh, whose parents did not come to America with a lot of money, but he has gone on to graduate from Harvard with a, a molecular biology degree 
summa cum laude, go on to Yale College, graduating top of his class uh, with a law degree focused on the Constitution, go on to uh, build multiple billion-dollar companies. He knows how to run an entity. He knows how to get good people into position. And then look at what it is that he's doing. He is educating himself and casting a vision. And let me just say quickly, I believe what our nation needs, not just someone who's smart and vivacious, brilliant, not someone who has the ability to start something from nothing and build it into multiple billion dollar businesses, which he's done, but we need someone who believes that the best days of our nation are still ahead of us. And maybe it's because of his age that he naturally believes the best days of his life are still ahead of him, but we certainly need that kind of energy to infect the rest of the country so that we, not them, but we can do the hard work of taking our country back. Hey, thanks for coming on, Kathy. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. I'm, I'm out of time. Thanks. Okay, uh, that's uh, Kathy Barnett, and she's the grassroots director and advisor to the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign. I'll be right back. Okay, so i got to remind you, or at least tell you, that um, I will not be here next week. I'm taking the week off. Uh, I'm going, I was going to go to the Burning Man, but I missed by a week. Um, is that what it's called, Burning Man? But um, but no, I, I'm going to be taking the week off, so... Um, don't be alarmed or don't throw any parties when you hear that I'm not, because I'll be back on Monday. Um, so I just wanted to let you know about that. And in the meantime, uh, a little sports here to close out the week. The uh, two big stories coming up, the Pitt playing West Virginia in football tomorrow night. Everybody's talking about the game. It's uh, There's a lot of excitement. And just as when they play Penn State, the stupidity is made obvious by the, by the amount of enthusiasm there is for the game and the fact that Penn State just played West Virginia for the first time in 30 years last week and Pitt doesn't play West Virginia every year. Um, and it's just so stupid. It should be every year. And, then, and it, I don't know what it takes for them to figure that out, but uh, there's, no, there's no good reason for them not to play. Forget about what conference they're in or any of the stuff they try to tell you. It's just plain stupidity. The other thing is, the Steelers play uh, Monday night, and uh, everybody's going to be watching the offense because they think that the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, is the problem. And he may be, but let me tell you something about offensive coordinators. You don't know, okay? Nobody in the media knows if he's the problem. Uh, the head coach may or may not think he's the problem, but you got a quarterback who's got a long way to go to prove that he deserved to be a number one pick, and you can look and blame the uh, offensive coordinator sometimes, but not for that loss on Sunday. He had a lot of open receivers. Whatever play was called worked, and he failed. So let's see what happens Monday night and see if it shuts him up. My prediction is that it will not, but I do uh, predict that I will not be here on Monday, and I'll see you the week after. Thanks for listening. Bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.